Let us move towards um, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, please feel free to turn back to it, page 1182. I loved watching that video about Nepal. And more than that, I love watching videos and seeing pictures of the church around the world. Seeing people in situations even a lot tougher than ourselves. With what we can only guess are really, really tough lives, maybe in poverty, maybe even in a war zone. And you see photos of their churches, you hear stories of their churches, where they still come together and praise God. They still have hope, they still have faith in the God of heaven. I love seeing photos like that. But when it comes to, to our church, how do you feel? How do you feel when you've had a rubbish week? Or maybe even worse than a rubbish week, you've had a particularly bad year and life has gone upside down and you walk into church and everybody's smiling and it does your head in. And you think, are these people just being fake? Are they just pretending everything is okay in their lives? What's going on there? Do they have perfect lives maybe? Is that what this Christianity thing is all about? Do they have no problems? Is that why they can be so happy? What is going on? Well, I guess there's three options, isn't there? When we look around and we see a church that is smiling, a church that has hope, there's three options. Well, the first is that we're two-faced. Maybe some people are two-faced. They're faking it. Wearing a mask so that we can pretend everything is okay when we see other people on a Sunday. Superficial Christians. If that's so, that's a real shame. There's no need to do that, is there? There's nothing gained by pretending in front of each other. What's the other option? I think another option is that maybe at the moment it's too much and it's too hard to let the emotion out. And today... All we can do is put a brave face on. Maybe to smile. Maybe to say everything is okay. And that's totally understandable, isn't it? I've been there. I'm sure we all have. On days when we don't feel we can show anyone else what we're feeling. And so we put a mask on. But I think there's a third option of why when you look around our church and churches around the the world, that despite the problems in our lives, we can still seem to have hope. We can still seem to have joy and thankfulness. And I think it's because God is doing something. That God is giving us strength. And I think that's what this passage talks about. It's an unusual combination, isn't it? To be going through a really rough time and still to be praising God. Let me read to you Psalm 13. If you want to see it, it's on page 548. This is Psalm 13. David, in deep distress, he's gone through a long series of problems and afflictions, and yet he's holding on, even trusting and praising God. This is what he says. He says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. We've all felt like that at times, haven't we? And then he says this. 
but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. That is an incredible combination. A proper juxtaposition of really going through it, really trying to figure out what's going on, and yet holding on to the promises of God. How is that possible without faking it? How is this meant to work? Well, this is where Colossians comes in. Back to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. We're in the middle of Paul's prayer for the Colossians. Paul is delighted that these people in Colossae are now finally alive. They've come to life, putting their faith in God. And he's praying for them. He's wanting them to get off on the right foot in their Christian life. He's praying that God will fill them with all the knowledge of his will, with wisdom and understanding. He's praying that they'd therefore live a life that's worthy of the Lord, that they'd be growing in that spiritual life, bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God. And then we come to verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I don't know about you. Are you fed up of trying to persevere alone? Of trying to find strength in yourself? It's exhausting, isn't it? Well, this passage is showing us that the healthy life of a Christian, when God is working in our lives, means that we're being strengthened with all his power according to his glorious might. Whatever is going on in your life, when God gets to work, God strengthens you. We sang earlier that strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. As we put our faith I trust our hope in him. Our strength builds. We read this in Isaiah chapter 40, where it says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary, tired. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Any of us in our own strength will get exhausted. Our own energy and determination only takes us so far. We have limited power. But Paul is speaking of someone who has limitless power. God. God who gives us it generously. It says all power. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. My strength, my own might, isn't worth speaking of. I'm not that tough, to be honest. But when I'm strengthened with all of God's power, with all... all of his glorious might. Man, I fancy some of that. More than that, I need some of that. 
I couldn't survive without it. Let's make this our prayer for each other. Maybe our prayer for ourselves as well. That God would strengthen us according to his power and his might. So let's stop trying to do it alone. And actually rest in God. Wait on God. Ask him to work in us. What does this produce in us? Well, I think in our world, strength is often measured in the size of your muscles. Not something I particularly have, to be honest. Maybe in the size of your mouth. If you're feisty, if you're bullshit, if you can hold your own, you're seen as a strong person. Look down with me to see how God describes real strength. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. That is real strength. Endurance and patience when God strengthens us. Endurance through apparently impossible situations that he helps us to keep walking through. Patience with apparently impossible people that we just want to strangle at times. Human strength is defined as being tough, isn't it? It's defined as someone who gets their own way. Someone who can stand up for themselves. Godly strength is displayed in endurance, in patience. Do you think you could spot the strongest person in this room? I don't think you could. It's not something you can show on the outside. Something that becomes part of you. Someone who can endure. Someone who can be patient. Because some days it's hard to know if you can keep going. If you can get out of bed today. Feeling like you're sinking. Drowning. Suffocating. With the weight, worry and distress of life. Hope, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, it says. God can give you the strength to endure. That might just mean the strength to take the next step. God can give you that strength to endure, to keep going. To keep your faith in him. I mean, it's worth noting that it says great endurance. It doesn't say infinite endurance. None of us are superheroes and all of us um, break at times and I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. But God can give us great strength, great endurance that can keep going even through the toughest of moments. Some people are hard to like, aren't they? They're frustrating. They're manipulative. They're two-faced. They're tiring. Maybe they let you down or they wind you up. People that you maybe want to throttle at times. God can give you the strength to be patient. To bite your tongue. To hold your fist. Maybe even more than that. To stand by them. To forgive them again. Maybe even the strength to love them. To embrace them and befriend them. Godly strength is so different, isn't it, to the world's strength. 
It doesn't mean we'll be tough. It doesn't mean we'll have perfect lives. But the strength that God gives us helps us to get through this life. To endure through the toughest of days. Even like the people in Nepal. And to be patient with the toughest of people. So what does this look like? What does it look like day to day? Does this, does this mean we just grin and bear it? Is that what the Christian life is? To be beaten down? To be demoralized? Just pushing through until we get to the end? Is that what fullness of life is? It doesn't sound like it, does it? A grudge match with a bitter face of anger and frustration that just refuses to give up with people, with life. That doesn't sound like fullness of life, does it? That doesn't sound like the strength that God gives because there's more than that. Because this passage keeps going. Great endurance and patience and joyfully giving joyful thanks to our Father. Strength also looks like joy and thankfulness. Let me be clear. I don't think joy is the same as being happy. We're not called to always wear a smile, to force one. We're not letting God down when we cry. It's not a lack of faith to be depressed. But the Bible encourages us to rejoice always. No one can be happy all the time. I get that. But joyful and thankful to God. Joy is not just evidenced on good days. True joy glows in the dark. True joy shows itself best in the toughest of times. We're joyful and thankful to God when we see the big picture. When we see what is really going on and we realise we're in a really, actually, we're in a good place. When we get a bit of perspective on life and zoom out from today to see what God is doing. And when we see what he's done in the past, when he shows us what he's doing in the future. There can be a real gladness, thankfulness, celebration of what God has done for us. Paul talks about it in terms of three things. First, inheritance. He says that God has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, of his holy people, into the kingdom of light. It's a language that's almost kind of reminiscent of the Exodus. Of the people coming out, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. On the way to their inheritance. And yet God now is promising that he's taking us towards a new kingdom. A kingdom of light. And that we get to share in an inheritance as his holy people. A greater inheritance, one that's been accomplished by God. We've made his holy people. Adopted as his sons and daughters, children of God. And we get to share in this kingdom of light. This inheritance. As we search through the scriptures to try and find what this might be. Some brilliant passages come up. That teach us what it means and what we get as part of God's people. This is 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. It says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. The God who created even light itself, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. 
get the knowledge of God's glory. Next, Romans 5, verse 5. It says that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The inheritance of God's love poured into our hearts. Next one, Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that surpasses understanding. Last one, 1 Peter 1, verse 8. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. What do we inherit by being part of God's kingdom? Well, you could count it as where are we going in heaven? What size of, um, what size of home are we going to have? What size of mansion will we have? How much gold will there be? There's something greater that we inherit as part of God's people. We inherit the knowledge of the glory of God. The love of God that's been poured into our hearts. The peace of God that transcends understanding. And a joy that is inexpressible and glorious. That is brilliant, isn't it? Especially when we remember where we were. Paul in Colossians goes on to explain that we've been delivered. That God has rescued us. We used to be in a dominion of darkness. We used to be caught, trapped, consumed by darkness, lost in it, inhabitants there. And yet God has rescued us from that. To maybe get a heads around this, we need to go back to thinking about the cinema that we were in a couple of weeks ago. We've gone to watch a film on the afternoon. We're watching a great film and we think we're having a great time in the darkness, staring up um, at the big screen enjoying watching someone else's life on camera. But now what we don't realise is that the doors are locked. That though the cam- while the cameras are rolling, we don't realise it. We enjoy life in the cinema. We enjoy the popcorn, the juice that we've got. But we don't realise that we're stuck in there. And actually we've been there so long that we forget what the world's like outside there. We don't realise that we're trapped. We don't realize that there's more to life. And we're happy. We're content with where we are. And yet God sees us there. And sees that there could be a greater life. There is a greater life to live with him. And so he comes and he seeks to rescue us from that dominion of darkness. And bring us into the kingdom of his son. It says in Acts that God comes to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. We're released. We find freedom. We can truly live as citizens in the kingdom of his Son. God has rescued us. And last, God has redeemed us. It uses this word redemption, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's almost like the imagery of a prisoner or of a slave whose freedom needs to be bought as a price. Now, we don't have um, slaves nowadays, do we? But people get kidnapped, held against their will, and therefore they often are asked to pay a ransom. The purchase of a person's freedom. And something that God shows to us in the Bible is that we are prisoners, 
Slaves who have been kidnapped by sin. Consumed by it. Corrupted by it. Guilty of sin. And then we hear of Jesus in the Bible. And he's described as a ransom. In Mark 10, verse 45, it says, The Son of Man didn't come to serve, but to, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We need that. Our lives to be bought back at a price, the purchase of our freedom from sin. Ephesians 1 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And in Titus, it's Jesus who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. We were people who were lost. We were people who were trapped, who were imprisoned by sin, who were lost and actually didn't realize it in a dominion of darkness. In a world without God, And yet God sent his son to first forgive us. Forgive us of the guilt that that we have. To bring us into a kingdom of his son. A kingdom where we can be free, where we can truly live. And in that kingdom we get something greater than gold or silver. We get a great inheritance by being his people. Those are the things that Paul says we can be joyful about. That even on the toughest of days, even through the worst life, poverty, tragedy, there's no pretending that pain doesn't exist. That some days are tough or even devastating. But Paul encourages us to have faith in Christ. A hope in heaven. And something to really be joyful about. That this isn't all there is. That he has rescued us, that he's delivered us, and that he's given us an incredible inheritance. I often try to do it all myself. Sometimes, I'll be honest, I even try and fake it. Even on a Sunday as I walk in. When life is tough, and I can't be bothered talking to anyone about it, I try and fake it. Maybe we should stop doing that. Maybe we should stop trying to fake it. Trying to pretend everything is okay. But we should also stop trying to summon our own strength and try and push through by ourselves. Because if we believe what God has done for us, then what we should start by doing is by praying. Praying that God will strengthen us, that he will give us the endurance and patience to get through but that we wouldn't do it grudgingly, that we would do it with joy and thankfulness for what Jesus has done for us. Let's spend a moment in prayer um, before we sing a final song. Father God, we find it tough to express ourselves. We're British. We hold our lip um, and we bite our tongue. But inside we're often hurting. Um, Inside we're often quite weak. Struggling. Something tells us that we can't can't break, can't um, let it go. Often can't even show others what we're going through. 
but still we're struggling. We're struggling to maybe get out of bed in the morning. Struggling to see how we can move forward, how we can keep going. And God, we pray that you would get involved in our lives. That actually we would be healthy as Christians. That you would be living within us. That you would be working within us. That you would be bearing fruit in our lives. That we would be growing in the knowledge of you. And that we would be being strengthened by you. Strengthened so that we can endure. We can endure when people really wind us up. When people hurt us. Or when just life throws us a real curveball. We pray that you'd strengthen us so that we can be patient. With the person that we want to punch. Or the person that just keeps letting us down. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't do all that. Bitterly. That actually our lives would be full of joy and thankfulness. Because of what you have done for us. Lord, let, let us never forget. Even on the darkest of days, remind us of the hope that we have in you. That this life is not all there is. That already you have got involved in our lives and you have, have freed us. You freed us from slavery. You freed us from being prisoners in a world of sin. And you've given us fullness of life through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he dared to die, that he was willing to die on the cross. Giving us forgiveness for our sins. And Lord, this week, help us to enjoy the inheritance that you've already given us. Help us to enjoy the knowledge, the peace, the love that you have given us as your people. Lord, we pray that we'll never need to fake praise in you. That even on the worst week, when tragedy hits, we will still be able to sing, blessed be your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.